Sarah, tell him it's time to do the show open for the podcast, will you? It's time for the podcast open. Okay. So uh, we're doing the podcast open right now. I'm not talking to Glenn because he's a bad person uh, in in all in every way possible, and I refuse to. I can't hear him directly uh, engage with him. Tell today. me when he's not speaking anymore, so I can do the commercial. Because Stu's a bad, bad man, <laughs> a liar, bigger than than Obama uh, and Biden and Clinton combined. I hate him that much. <laughs> Tell me when he's done, Sarah, so I can go on. Stu is done. You're not a friendly person. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, first of all, let me tell you about uh, Jace Medical. Jace Medical, I've been talking to them for a while. We are a, we have critical shortage of essential drugs in America right now. Okay. Hey, welcome to Jamaica. This is why you need to have a Jace case on hand. It is a personalized emergency medication kit. Five essential antibiotics treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Customizable, dozens of add-on medications, including ivermectin. Whatever it is your family needs, they can add on to it. It's really simple. You go online, fill out a form, you get the prescription. Life-saving medications delivered right to your door. You can have up to a year's supplies worth. So if there is an emergency, you don't skip a beat. Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, jacemedical.com. Enter the promo code Beck and save. Tell him he can start the podcast reel now. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hunter Biden selling his art to buy prostitutes and help his dad accumulate more money uh, so he can trade on his dad's name and then buy some more prostitutes. And I thought, man, this guy spends money on things he really believes in. Um, You know, he puts his money where his mouth is, literally. Um, And shouldn't we all? Shouldn't we all? So this Christmas, I'm going to follow in Hunter's footsteps. I mean, not exactly. I'm not going to buy prostitutes, but... Uh, I'm going to be selling my art, but instead of buying prostitutes, I'm going to donate all of it to charity. For the next three days at glenbeckart.com, I'm hosting a silent auction for three different signed giclés of my art. And the proceeds from each piece of art going directly to three different charities. I pick three different charities and three pieces specifically for each charity. The first one is Morning of Hope, Dusk of Despair. This painting is the MS St. Louis uh, from 1939, carried hundreds of Jewish refugees who were trying to escape the Nazis. In the painting, it's a beautiful spring morning and the ship is passing in front of the Statue of Liberty, morning of hope. Or is it the dusk of despair? Because we denied them entry. Is that ship actually pulling out of port and in the dusk of despair. By the way, most of these people died in the Holocaust after we sent them back. The charity I picked for this painting, by the way, it's really beautiful. You don't have to remember that story. It's really a beautiful painting. I picked this painting uh, for Ezra International. They're a Christian humanitarian aid organization, supports Jews all around the world who want to emigrate to Israel. With anti-Semitism on the rise, um, I don't know. Israel has to exist, otherwise we'll repeat the MS St. Louis. The Jews aren't safe in their own home. They're not going to be welcome anyplace else. That uh, is available now at glenbeckart.com. The next piece of art that I'm auctioning is titled Redeemed. It's Johnny Cash's mugshot after he got caught with cocaine. 
Uh, if you look at this painting, most people will go, well, that's the lowest point of his life. Um, but I don't think this moment happened to him. It happened for him. And because of this moment, he gave his life to God and followed him for the rest of his life. He was so on fire with God that he made multiple trips uh, to Israel and recorded an entire album called The Holy Land. Messy story, but the moment of that mugshot was the beginning of his new life, and he was redeemed. For that reason, the proceeds for this painting are going to the One Heart Project. This project uh, meets young people at their lowest moment after they've been arrested, and uh, they don't get a second chance, usually. The One Heart Project surrounds them with support and good role models to pick them up and put them on the right path and make sure they don't end up back in jail. The final one I'm auctioning is Save the Republic. And this is one of my favorite. It hangs in my office. I just love this one. Uh, and all of the proceeds are going to Mercury One, who is still on the ground in Maui, still on the ground rescuing people in Afghanistan, still on the ground in uh, Israel. Mercury One uh, is obviously my charity each painting represents the work of these three charities uh and whichever organization you feel led to support or whichever painting you like 100 percent of the proceeds are going uh to those uh charities so they can keep doing god's will uh, will all the information about the auction the charities and how to bid available on the front page of glenbeckart.com that's glenbeckart.com by the way, if you see a poster or something else, it's 50% off everything except the originals now at glenbeckart.com. Welcome to Mr. Pat Gray. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. Wow, this is an impressive box. This is beautiful. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? it really is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this from, is it's our sold out Christmas box, but we held out one for you guys. Oh, thank oh, you. Yeah. you really, it's wow. already sold out? It is. So you can't get it anymore? No, you can get the cookies, but you can't get the box. Wow. The Kexi Bakery. <clears throat> the box cost us about $4,800 per box. Really? So, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. We're taking wow. a little bit of a loss too. on them. Uh, God bless us, everyone. And inside are, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, and then look at the trading cards. Daniel did those. The, uh, the, the trading cards are from uh, A Christmas Carol. So you've got oh like my gosh. Scrooge. And, this costs you. You're yeah. not making this money no, that's back. Right. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> wow, those are amazing. Yeah, they're pretty you know, cool. Can I, uh, I now, cool. Pat, Glenn? We talk about the economy all the time. Yeah. Can I make a, I don't know, a, a little uh, suggestion for our economy? Yeah. And Pat, maybe this would be something you participate in. Mm -hmm. When you do something incredible like this, maybe the time to to come on and talk about it is when they're, <laughs> when they're still available. The beginning when they're available. Yeah, like yeah, maybe yeah. like when yeah. you could Beautiful. still theoretically <laughs> sell them to the audience, <laughs> yeah. you, you should tell us about it. You can still get the cookies. Yes, you, you can in still time. get the cookies. Yeah. In time and, for Christmas. And it comes, yes, if you order right now, if you order this week, up until Saturday, we can get guaranteed delivery by Christmas. K-E-K-S-I. Dot com. Yeah. Kexi.com. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah, really. Yeah, they're, they're really. Good. Best cookies. Best yep. cookies. Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of other things. Do you see that uh, government jobs now are through the roof? We're going to set a new record highest ever, this right? month. Yes, yeah, it's the highest ever creating yeah, highest jobs. Ever. Be twenty three million government employees. My gosh, that that's unreal. So ten that's million away from ten percent of our of our entire population working for the federal government. That's why he That's still crazy. has 37% approval because those are all government yeah, yeah. workers. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. So here's the stats. In 2000, it was uh, 20 million. 
in 2010, it was 22.9 million. In 2020, it was down just a little bit. It was 22.5. Right now, it's 22.96. It will be 23 million by the end of the month. Jeez. And you get. And you're letting people go. If you're a small business person, you're struggling right now and going, how am I not going to let people go? Mm-hmm. Well, just tell them the government's hiring. And they'll say this is it's great obscene. news for the economy, right? Yeah. They'll say, it's obscene. oh, well, this is working. Bidenomics is working. And this is, if there is anything that is central to Bidenomics, it's, it is this, right? It's expansion of government. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I guess you are creating, I mean, it is a straight line to creating jobs. You're just making up jobs for, you know, BS, uh, you know, institutions. And I guess you could get everybody hired there eventually. And we'll just this is a, a path to socialism that we can all okay, accept. So let me give you uh, let me give you a look at uh, inflation. Has anybody watched Home Alone lately? Uh, I feel like I watch it every year, but I that, do. it's been I haven't watched yeah. it in probably at least a year. We're getting we we watch you know the uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street on Thanksgiving. We watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles the <laughs> night before, mm-hmm. and then Home Alone is coming up next week. Right? Watch when Kevin goes in to buy groceries. You want to talk about mm. inflation? Wow. Okay. A little cheaper. He has twenty dollars on him. That's all he has. Do you remember what he buys? I no. don't. Half gallon of milk, a half gallon of orange juice, a TV dinner, bread. <laughs> frozen macaroni and cheese, laundry detergent, cling wrap, <laughs> toilet paper, a pack of army men, and dryer sheets. $19.83 with tax. Okay? <laughs> Last year, now remember, it's it's going to be better this year. Last year, the same grocery list went from $19.83 to $44.40. Jeez. But... The White House is telling us this is the most inexpensive year for yeah, grocery shopping. Right. Yes. Right. It's gone from $44.40 last year to $72.28 this year. In one oh year? My. In one year. Gosh. Why? For the, those, well, the uh, economy is doing so well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, people yeah, yeah. Are, right. So, people right, are right, more right. winning by. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously, like why is a dryer sheet? Are dryer sheets going nuts? Like, uh, what's I don't going know. On? It's a, it's all the individual stuff. Yes. First, I mean, I, you can have some of those weird. I mean, obviously, inflation overall this has not weird. gone up that much. But this isn't weird though. A gallon of milk uh, or a half gallon of milk, half gallon of orange juice, TV mm. dinner. That's weird. Bread, frozen mac and cheese, laundry detergent, cling wrap, toilet paper. The army men is weird, and the dryer <laughs> sheets. That's not weird. That's, what do you mean weird? Like things that's that what, normal people don't buy? Those are things people buy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and TV so, dinners aren't called TV dinners anymore, but right. people buy frozen entrees all the Correct. time. Correct. So, I mean, that's that's pretty rational. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. I wonder why it's... I, I wonder if there's one real outlier product in there for it to go up that much that quickly. So, the moral of the story, though, is don't leave your kid home by himself if you're when you're do, going leave, to France yeah, with leave the rest of the family. Bucks. Leave at least 100 and, bucks. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. No $20 bills anymore. <laughs> and it won't really, cut it. <laughs> if you're in that situation as a child, like the softness of your dried clothes is not Shouldn't that important. Right then yeah, there. like that's not no. a priority. Right. It, it, you know, <laughs> he learned from his mother. <laughs>
Do not take that little boy down for learning how to do his own laundry from his mother. It's how impressive that he knew. I just think thank, thank you, Pat. You're thank welcome. you. There's I a prioritization that he maybe he should also learn from his mother. Although his mother is prioritizing her trip to France over yes. her son, so right. maybe yeah. not. Well, not really. She just forgot how many times. How, How many times, times you forgot your has children? that happened to you? Oh, man. I mean, zero, but yeah, I've only yeah. been to France once. So, you know what's weird is, you know, I saw one conservative outlet saying, uh, <clears throat> just watching, you know, watching Home Alone shows you how far the middle class has fallen. Uh, That's not a middle class family. It was never a middle class family. No. Never. No it's way. a beautiful house. Oh, yeah. Not only a beautiful house, but who can afford to take, take the whole family to France? France. To France <laughs> yeah. During the holidays. <laughs> right. Okay. And, yeah. you know, mom, mom and dad are sitting in first class. That, that, that's yeah. not a middle class family. I remember looking at that house thinking, oh, yeah. Nice. My gosh. And that it's was nice. the height of, remember, Ralph Lauren. Uh, and uh, he had, you know, the wallpaper and everything else. That was that was mm. such a Ralph Lauren kind of look. Yeah. Which, again, yeah. even back then, wasn't really affordable. Mm-hmm. Have they? Are they still editing Donald Trump out of the sequel? I don't know. They were doing that for a while, and you have to believe that's now. Were a, they really? Yeah, they would take oh him gosh. right yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, would yeah. re-air it. They thought it was. Yeah, wow. they thought it was. It was is wrong Macaul- to- Macaulay Culkin is he in the uh, sequel? Uh, yes, yeah, he yeah. is. The, yeah. he's, oh. This time he was abandoned huh. in New York. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. His parents are terrible people. Let's yeah, be no honest kidding. about it. Like, they just well, don't should, care about their son. You know, CPS should be paying him a visit. Right. Can I, can I sure. bring up something else? Maybe we can talk about this tomorrow because we're out of time. But you know who else is a horrible, horrible person? Oh. Santa. In <laughs> wow. All of, yeah. In well, all of those Christmas tales. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer especially. Oh my especially. gosh, he's a bastard. Yeah, he's, he's tough on, in some of those. Yeah. Tough? And the fictional portrayal of Santa in some of these specials is not what I believe Thank to be you. accurate. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Santa, I'm sure, is a good guy. Yes, the real, of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when you're talking about portrayed the poorly one, there. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. Tell, he tells, he tells Rudolph's just... dad that he should be ashamed of himself because right. he yeah. has a kid with a red nose. Right. That's not cool. Oh, you didn't That's have cool. a cripple, did you? <laughs> Wait. What? You should be ashamed of yourself. Next thing you know, you're going to have a kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. All right, so we're uh, doing a, um, I'm doing a charity auction for the next three days. I want to let you know about it. Uh, GlennBeckArt.com. I'm auctioning off three separate uh, signed, limited-run uh, G-Clays of my art. Proceeds are going to three separate charities. Uh, I picked a piece of art specifically because they tell a story that I think relates to the work the charity is doing. Uh, one of the charities is the One Heart Project. It's a charity that helps young people rebuild their lives after being you know, put in prison. Uh, Ezra International is working to support impoverished and persecuted Jews, start a new life in Israel all over the world. And the charity that I founded, Mercury One. There are three different paintings uh, and, uh, you know, if you win and you're like, I like one of the other paintings, I'll, I'll do another painting, you know, for you, whatever is up on the website. Uh, you can go to glenbeckart.com. This is something, you know, what's great about this. Listen to this sales job. Listen to this. What's great about this is it's the end of the year. So whatever you give, it's all tax deductible. You're going to be able to write it off and you have a piece of art signed by me that you can give to somebody you don't like oh 
Yeah. So you're you're not necessarily targeting all of these for people you do like. Well, yeah. I mean, it's my art. What would piss somebody off more? I mean, if this isn't the holiday season, mm. tell me what is. What would piss off your family member that you have to get a present for than a piece of art that they might like, and then you tell them, yeah, see the signature? That's Glenn Beck. Oh, they'll hate it. And yet they'll have to hang it because you're coming over to their house all the time. Mm-hmm. Where's that really expensive painting I bought? Where is that? Oh, I mean, it's torture. It is. Yeah. So if you want to hurt someone that you're giving a Christmas present Absolutely. to, this, this is, is a your great g- way to do this it. This is your gift. Okay. <laughs> I like it. It's an interesting pitch. <laughs> and it doesn't really cost you anything because you write it off. See what I'm saying? That's not exactly how taxes work. I'm but pretty yeah, sure that's I'm the way it works. Pretty close. Don't convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have to reevaluate. Anyway, uh, the highest bid uh, goes to a great cause. Just go to glenbeckart.com, glenbeckart.com. By the way, everything except the originals are 50% off right now. Uh, I found out when I did that, I found out, you know that means that you make like $4 on the mm-hmm. art? And I'm like, that's how much this crap cost? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah. You Remember you insisted on you know the best? And I'm like, oh. Yeah. So I'm not really getting rich off of this anyway. You just get a great piece of art. Uh, it's glenbeckart.com. That's glenbeckart.com. Uh, by the way, all the proceeds for the auction go to the charities. All the proceeds that come to me, that all goes to uh, preserve American history. Although I can't afford that. Uh, I got to tell you what. I, <laughs> I got to tell you what. We're trying to get at an auction, but you. I don't want to say it until after the auction because I don't want anybody else to know. Who might go, ooh. That sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Nope, nope. I'm not, what, auction? Nope. Don't know anything And your about wife it. is going to hmm? approve these purchases my this wife time? Is or? Going, my wife is I've noticed that lately, you're lately, what you've been doing is also not telling her about the auctions. You no, tell. No, no, You don't tell the people so they don't bid against you, and you no. don't tell her so she doesn't know that you're spending no, the money on I don't know what them. you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't about. know? Nope. Because I thought you would. Nope. Mm-hmm. Honey, we're just writing a check to... Charity. That's what we're. I need this. Don't look at the check. Don't look at the checkbook. No, no, no. Don't look at the checkbook. It's uh. You know, uh, there's so much <laughs> propaganda from the liberal media these days. The yeah. checkbook. Who knows what lies are in there, in that checkbook? In our checkbook. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what, what the way they're man, the 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 wef is is manipulating these individual checkbooks now. Amen. Right. Who uh, knows yeah, what they're I doing? I do know what you mean right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That, Damn WEF. Honey. Yeah, right. They're so oh, bad. Bastards. Hey, there's a new poll out that I'd like to share with you. It actually comes out tomorrow, so this is exclusive today. But I have some questions on it. So there's a new poll out that shows um seems to show that fraud may have happened in the last election. Okay. Hmm. Uh this is a uh, a brand new Heartland. Uh, Institute Rasmussen poll. Um, so he, here is, well, let me just, I'll just read the questions to you. All right. Mm-hmm. Here are the full results on the election fraud, 2020 presidential election. One, if your state banned mail-in balloting in next year's presidential election, would you choose to vote in person or would you choose not to vote at all? said that they would vote in person. 2% said they wouldn't vote. 4% said they're not sure. 
So very little impact when they always talk about like we need to do this mail voting. So, but not much impact even right. for the people who do like it. Uh, we're now going to ask you several questions about voting in the 2020 presidential election. Your responses will remain anonymous, so please answer honestly. Who did you vote for in 2020, the presidential election? 45% Donald Trump, 46% Joe Biden, 4% some other candidate, 3% didn't vote, 1%'s not sure. I want to know who that person is. I can't remember who I voted for. I can't. I just don't. I don't. Okay, this is not the FBI calling. You can tell (laughs) us. Um, Did you vote with an absentee or mail-in ballot in 2020? 30% yes, 68% no. 2%, Two percent. Uh, not sure. Okay. Now this the following is answered by respondents who voted by absentee or mail in ballot only. Mm-hmm. Okay. During the twenty twenty election, did a friend or family member fill out your ballot in part or in full on your behalf? Nineteen. 19- well, well, before we go on, that's not legal, right? No. You can't do that. No. Uh, so that would be, if you say yes to that, you would no matter who some you sort voted of election for. violation. Right. During the 2020 election, did a friend or family member fill out your ballot in part or in full on your behalf? 19% said yes. 79% said no. Hmm. So 19% of that group uh, yes. qualified for this uh, particular yes. voting Yes, of the 30%. Okay. During the 2020 election, did you fill out a ballot in part or in full on behalf of a friend or family member, such as a spouse or a child? 21% mm. said yes. You're not supposed to do that either. No. No. During the 2020 election, did you cast a mail-in ballot in a state where you were no longer a permanent resident? Uh-oh. You're not supposed to do that, Glenn. 17% said yes. 82% said no. 1% said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the right way to answer, by the way, if you did it. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed I mean, to just say, you... ah, what are you talking about? I don't know. They've got you on tape, right? you know, with the NSA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is a, you know, this is Rasmussen, Colin, but you know they're listening. Anyway, during the 2020 election, did you sign a ballot or a ballot envelope on behalf of friend or family without his or her permission? What do you think that number is? Wow, without the permission. Without their permission. Should Before, be. it could have been like, I'm just filling it out for my wife. Right. You know, she's busy, and I was sitting there in the kitchen. I'm like, let me fill yours out. Yeah, like, I think you could come up with yeah. an argument like an elderly couple where one is maybe have yes. some issues. Like, there, right. I think even some states have some right. uh, ways to cover that. Yeah. But this is different, right? Without well, their permission is, is Did you sign illegal. a ballot or a ballot envelope on behalf of a friend or family member without his or her permission? What's Blatant. Election violation. Yes. Um, gosh, I mean, it shouldn't be more than a. I mean, it should be zero. Obviously, should, mm-hmm. maybe there's a couple of percent that one percent. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, seventeen oh, percent said wow. yes. That's way too high, boys and way girls. Way too high. Yeah. Uh, during the uh, 2020 election, did a friend, family member, or organization such as a political party? Offer to pay or reward you for voting. <laughs> that one really should be zero. That's blatantly illegal. You can't do that. 1% not sure. Okay. I don't know where I got that money. Mm-hmm. 8% yes. That's really, that's much too high. Do you know a friend, family, 
It's too high. It's much too high. It's 8% 8 should go to jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you know a friend, family member, coworker, or other acquaintance who has admitted to you that he or she has cast a mail-in ballot in 2020 in a state other than his or her state of permanent residence? So eight, what was it? 17%. Was it 17? Uh, We're no longer. Yeah, 17% said I was no longer a resident. And I did that. Okay. Did you have a friend, a coworker, anyone tell you they did that? 8% said yes. Hmm. Uh, do you know a friend, family, coworker, or other acquaintance who admitted to you that he or she has cast a mail-in ballot in 2020 in a state other than his or her permanent resident? 10% yes. Did you know a friend, family member, coworker, or any acquaintance who has admitted to you that he or she has filed uh, or filled out a ballot on behalf of another person? 11% said yes. Hmm. This is interesting, too, because, you know, some, sometimes poll questions have this thing where people will answer to benefit their own side. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I mean, in this one, it's hard to see how that would happen because you're saying, I mean, maybe, I guess, if you're a conservative, you're... you're well, there's the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's several things that I would like to know. Um, first of all, out of the ones who said they were Democrats, what was the percentage? Now, is it different than the Republicans? Correct, mm-hmm. correct. However, however, um, 43% of all ballots cast in the 2020 election were by mail. So if the survey is correct, it would mean that at a minimum, 9% of all ballots in the 2020 election involved fraud, more than double the difference between Trump and Biden in the national popular vote, okay, mm-hmm. if, if it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one in 10 voters in the survey, including both in-person and mail-in voters, said they knew somebody who personally admitted to them that they had committed one or more kinds of voter fraud. This is an addition. This is the first time in history we know of where huge percentages of voters have admitted to committing voter fraud. The result of the survey also shows 8% of voters say that a friend, family member, organization's political party offered to pay reward for them voting another kind of fraud. If this survey is accurate, this is proof of wide, well, it's a poll, so I don't know if you can call it proof. But it is evidence that leads one to believe there was widespread uh, voter fraud. Now, Hmm. here's the problem. You know, it was 36% Democrat, 33% Republican, 31% other. Among the people who answered yes to some kind of fraud, a party affiliation was roughly even. Now, Hmm. there's an important reason why you shouldn't look into the numbers for a specific voter ideology, party behavior. One, this particular uh, poll, the sample size is way small once you take the poll from all of them and then say, did you vote by mail? Then it's it's down to a very smaller number. And then you say, did you also vote? This, it's an even smaller number. Right. Hmm. Okay. 30% of respondents said that they voted via mail. One of the main questions. Only a third of Republicans say they voted by mail. And this is another thing. If you just look at the Republicans who voted by mail, that would apply to the one third of the 30% mentioned. 
that's such a small group, it could skew it any either way. But also, Democrats were more likely to vote by mail, 58%, not 30, but 58. So that the number might look equal, but it's not equal. So basically, there is a, again, all the uh, disclaimers aside here, there there is a an issue with these sorts of problems in all mail-in balloting and... In addition to that, Democrats tend to vote by mail much more often. Correct. So it probably is more of a problem on that side of the aisle. Though some of this might just be, while we call it fraud, it also is just a problem with mail-in voting generally. Yeah. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean someone's trying to do something um, uh, untoward. or It doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that uh there are massive problems with and then you add in to that like zuckerbox and everything else yeah. and you've got a system you can't trust at all it would be interesting to follow up on this because i mean another part of this that would be interesting to me is what is this number as opposed to other election cycles like is it is they the, say this is the highest they've asked these questions before um, i thought this was a one first time thing that was my so, understanding but yeah but it, what was it it was phrased in such a way that led me to believe Hang on, let me look for it. But go ahead and make your point. Uh, but basically, like, I think this is the, these are good questions to follow up with every election cycle, right? Like, we should get a running number to understand if this is going up, it's going down. I mean, you know, you, if you want to defend mail-in voting, you might just say, well, this is, a, this is a, obviously that we need, to, we, we need to educate people on how to do it. You're not allowed to sign this for your wife. It's a, it's a crime. Right. People need to know that. Maybe some of them don't. This is how it's phrased. No. This is the first time in history that we know of where a huge percentage of voters have admitted to committing voter fraud. Right. So but, it's maybe uh, the first poll. Yeah, it's the first time this has been uncovered. That, that's right. kind of my question. Like, yeah, is yeah, yeah. this number about this, is it 10, 20 percent every single time, which is another major problem. It just doesn't necessarily mean that 2020 was an outlier. But look, anytime you can get a first piece of information it's a good thing. So I'm Do glad to know. Do you think, though, that we have done, does anybody, Republican, independent, uh, uh, Democrat, does anybody think that we've actually secured the vote, that we've made it better, we've learned from 2020, that we've well, made it better? we know every vote is secure when <laughs> yeah. your side wins. Yes. When your side wins, everyone, no one complains at all about voter fraud. See, here's the problem. Because, and the government knows this, this is just yet another log on the fire that just keeps burning, that they, they are doing things intentionally. Everybody knows that if Donald Trump wins, let's say he's the candidate, the nominee, if he wins, the country will be set on fire because... The left will call the Democrats will say voter fraud, just like they did in 2000, Mm -hmm. just like Hillary Clinton said to do in 2020 if Biden didn't win. Okay, so they're going to call the call voter fraud and they already have the entire plan to set the streets on fire. If that happens, if Joe Biden wins, I don't know a single person that would say, oh, yeah, well, that was totally legitimate. I don't know a single person. Would you feel comfortable saying just what you know now? I'm, you know, it depends on what actually happens. But do you will you feel comfortable now that our that our elections are secure? Well, I think the healthy thing is to never feel comfortable with that and to always be questioning and it always be pushing back. If you're not doing that, that's how you fall 
a victim to have we done that, these problems. Though? I mean, that doesn't seem like it. I know there's some like states. It. The problem, the funny thing about this is there have been some states that have made their election some laws states. a lot better. The problem yeah. is they're all the states that you're not that worried about. Right. They're all the states on the right who have done this. The states on the left have done uh, a lot to expand, quote unquote, expand access. Right. Which usually means we sent a f- uh, $50 bill in a ballot uh, <laughs> to their house six months ago. And we're gonna keep. We're gonna harass them to pick it up. Uh, um, slight exaggeration, but not that much. The, this is a, the problem, and, and the left well, is here's going. The great thing, twenty twenty four. It's going to be interesting to see how we work this all out. Isn't it? Gonna, you know, it's going to be great to watch. It's going to be fun to it's watch. Be very entertaining. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Good friend uh, in from Israel, Rabbi Itzhak uh, uh, Olderstein is uh, with us. Great to be here, Glenn. How are you? I'm doing good, as well as you can do in the middle of a war. I got to tell you, the power that you have, I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I was eating breakfast, breakfast meeting, call for an Uber, get into the car, and I hear this voice, and I look at the, and it says Mercury, and I, I tell my lovely driver, Deidre, said, are you listening to Mercury. He says, yeah, my daughter got me into it a couple of years ago. They said, yeah. you know where we're going? <laughs> yeah, so great, so great. So, I don't Texas know. is a blessed place. Um, how are things in Israel? You know, it's a, it's a mixture. It's a, it's a war. There's, there's no question. I feel a little guilty because my family, uh, my wife and myself and, uh, and two kids live in the Jerusalem area where we haven't had to run for a bomb shelter in a couple yeah. of weeks. Um, people are amazing. The feeling of unity in the country is just it was like that in nine eleven for us. It was like that in nine eleven. Mm-hmm. I do think it's some. It's something a little different here. It's not just a question of survival. It's people finding their commonality. It's a commonality that is deeper than just this horrible, horrible enemy that we have to defeat. It's the, the, the sense of, of mission, of purpose, of having been in this land for 3,000 years, have come back to it, started this wonderful, wonderful state. We got more than 50% of the country who are volunteering to help soldiers, dis- displaced people. People are making meals. So Every time, God forbid, another soldier dies, there are literally thousands of people, thousands of strangers who come to who come to a funeral. It's it's exhilarating and it makes makes me feel a little bad. I remember, I think I remember when I was a kid, there was somewhat of this feeling in America, yeah. and it's dissipated for yeah, so long. I know. Hopefully, it comes back, and hopefully, it doesn't take a, uh, a national tragedy to do it. Um, there's video that is out: Palestinian strip forced to sit outside by IDF soldiers raises ire. Um, how do you respond to that? Um, my stomach responds first after I can get control of that. What are, what are people, what are people saying? You're talking about an army that invaded Israel, that was a perpetrator of the worst savagery that we have seen in since World War II, certainly the worst that, that Jews have, 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 uh, have, have experienced. Uh, I was in Knesset uh, about a week ago, 
And just after uh, showing to members of Knesset of some of the footage that hasn't been shown to the general public, nobody made it through the entire showing. Everybody, like some people made it closer to the end. One woman collapsed. There were doctors waiting outside. You're, you're talking about things that we don't even want to talk about. And if you see the visuals, you're changed, you're changed for life. When you, when you then surround some of their soldiers, people who are pledged, who've said October 7th is just the beginning. I know. It's the first of a set. There's going to be bigger and better coming. And there's no way that you're going to you're going to suppress us. And people are upset when you show a visual of soldiers who should be happy that they're alive, and and uh, and 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 are there because security demanded that you make sure that they're not hiding any arms. Uh, you know what, what? What's scariest about that, Glenn, is the extent to which people's minds are affected by visuals without any thought about yeah. principles. It is. It is truly terrifying here in America to see. I mean, I knew it was going to get bad. I've talked about it for years. Um, but to see how rapidly so many people have gone off the cliff of reality is is a little uh, a little terrifying. You see what happened last week with the, you know, with the heads of Penn and, and Harvard and MIT. I I don't even understand how people are justifying this at all. Do you? I, I I'm afraid that I I'm afraid that I'm I do, I, that I do. Look, uh, there are a number of components of this. Two of them we can get through very quickly. The other one you're going to find more more interesting. Okay. One is that anti-Semitism never, ever really goes away. Correct. It's there. I've, I've worked in the field of watching anti-Semitism now for decades. And the worst kind of anti-Semitism, as far as Jewish survival, is unconscious anti-Semitism. People who would be shocked to hear, what, am I an anti-Semite? But yet harbor subconscious feelings about the Jewish people. It's the only way to understand why there's so many people who are upset, and people should be upset watching, watching people die and watching casualties, mm -hmm. although we don't know how many there are. But what happened a couple of years ago in Syria when, right. when Assad killed between 500 to 600,000 people? By the way, almost every one of those deaths could have been avoided had America stood its ground mm -hmm. rather than keeping painting lines in the sand that, mm -hmm. that, they, that they never followed. 13 million people displaced. If you ask people in America, where's the bloodiest conflict in recent decades? Where most people, where more people dying than any place on, on, on earth? And I'm telling you, 11 out of 10. Say Israel. It, it, it will, will tell you, will not get this right. Math was not my strong point. 11 out of 10 will tell you, I don't know, but they won't get the real one, which is the Congo. <laughs> War mm. that's been going on for decades with hundreds of thousands of casualties Orders of magnitude more than Israel, Israel, Palestine. So where's the outrage? So that's that's part of it. Another part of it is is the introduction of a, of a Middle Eastern anti-Semitism. That's a that's a, a product of immigration. That's going to change the demography of America. It's already changed the voting habits of the Democratic Party. But then there's the part that you should really get scar uh, scared about, Glenn, and that is that. Liz McGill, you know, the, the, uh, 
the, the one whose testimony was the most damning mm-hmm. in Congress. You know, it depends on context. What, what was she doing? That was your question. What she was really doing was pandering to the expectations of faculty and students on campus. And that has been heading in one direction for decades. It is, you know, if you don't understand it, it is why Bob Iger being replaced at Disney will make no difference. Because the culture is so deep, it's all the way down the food chain. It's, it's in all of the employees. So replacing the top won't change a darn thing. Right. And, and I know I'm not going to get paid more for this interview by buttering you up. Because none of us get paid anything. But that's one of the reasons why you are sitting in such an important position. Why the only way that this can be arrested, or at least contained in part, is if people recognize the depth of the problem and say, we're going to take the appropriate measures. I don't mean anything, God forbid, militarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean in education in particular. There are just too many parents out there who say, this is horrible, you know, this intersectionality stuff and the wokeism, whatever. But as far as their own kids and the schooling they're giving their own kids, they're, you know, like, okay, I, we really were going to send our kids to a Christian school, but, you know, we just moved and the public school is only half a mile away. Right. And, and, and we're going to do it and thinking that somehow you're not going to have to bear those consequences. If you're serious about the centrality of the family, if you're serious about Christian values, then you have to realize that the most sacred mission that God gave to you is to make sure that your, that your, your children are, are servants of God who are interested in the truth, and people are just not able to emerge that way when they're glued to their devices yes. 26 hours a day and then indoctrinated in public schools and certainly in the universities. Right. Let me, let me um, um, ask you, because you said um, a year ago, and you said to me several years ago as well, they're coming for Christians first this time. Um, I think we're not in lockstep, um, but uh, they are. it's getting worse for the Jews faster, faster than it is for the Christians. But you were right all those years ago. Christians are unaware of what is happening to them. And, uh, and, and what is right around the corner. I mean, if you're surprised at how many people are saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, anti-semitic things i'm i'm against the jews or whatever that's that's it's not a huge leap in this society now to say yeah well i'm also against those christians too because the christians cause all the problems especially since one of the dominant themes in the culture of america today is the takeover by thoughts of intersectionality and wokeism and the idea that you can divide the world into two halves the oppressed yep. and the oppressors. And the good guys are the oppressed and the bad guys are the oppressors. There was a display in a hall at Indiana University, Purdue, for almost an entire year, not in a classroom, in a hallway, that sought to, tell, to alert students about how Christianity was part of white privilege and therefore made Christians as Christians part of the oppressor class, how Christianity was used Mm. as a vehicle of of oppression. 
you may be right that I was wrong about coming for Christians first, although oh, as, no, I, I, as they, they did in places like Nigeria yeah, and a yeah. whole, but you know, October seventh unleashed something that was that was powerful. Right. But you're not a step behind. You may be a quarter of a step yeah. behind. Michigan State University had a uh, a code of speech for students. It has been revoked since then, but it was in force for, I believe, an entire academic year where students were told to avoid any language that made oblique reference to the majority religion in America. So you were not supposed to use words like Mary or, wow. or Jingle Bells or Eggs. Or wow, and and uh, it's it, it stressed majority religion. You're allowed to talk about minority Minor. religions, I right. guess, as long as it's not Jewish, but you can't talk about about Christian about Christianity. The, the key here to understand all of this is oppressor versus oppressed. If it, everything else goes, all logic, everything goes out the window. All facts go out the window if you just look at oppressor versus oppressed. Uh, then you 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 lose all common sense and and everything else. I want to ask you one other question. That is, this has you know I've known this forever. Read it in the scriptures. When the chosen people are going into Israel, God says, "Choose life." And we wouldn't have a society. the The Judeo Christian world is based on the respect of life. Without Without that moment, you don't have the respect for life. You have a, you have a, a horrible, horrible, dark world. I keep coming back to the thought that that is the only decision that we really have to make. Because everything right now is being divided into life or death. All of it. How you vote, it's either going to cause life to flourish or it will cause death. All of these things are life, and, and I've never seen in my lifetime that choice so clear. You, you would think that the Bible wouldn't even have to instruct people. There's life, there's death. Choose life. Like, who's not going to choose life? But the point is, if you're not listening to God, if you, there's no room for God and his instruction in your life, then in the end, the center of the universe is not questions no, any longer of right or wrong, of listening to any kind of absolute. It's not fealty to the family or to the nation or the community. It's numero uno. It's only yourself. That's all that's out there. And when it's you without any moral code to have to choose from, then feelings become more important than anything else. So questions even of life or death themselves become irrelevant. It's how I feel at the moment. Do I feel oppressed? Do I feel like a victim? Do I feel like I don't like watching these pictures, so let's do something about it. And no, I don't have any real solution to it, but I'm not feeling good about it. We're not thinking about, about life and death anymore and making that choice. You're certainly right, but the missing ingredient there is if, if there is no connection with God and God's word and God telling you that there is such a thing as good and evil, it's not all relative. It's not context dependent. There are things we are hardwired 
to realize are wrong. And it takes real work, which society has done, to get you to abandon those feelings. So I think that the, that the choice is, are we going to be in tune with, with God, with the existence of God and some message out there that God has for us? How does this, I mean, I've, I've read the Bible. It never ends out. It ends up good for the society that is making the choice that we're making right now. You're always, you're always, at least I am, always screaming at the people going, did you not see two chapters before you did the same thing? Um, how does this end? It, it ends, well, the beginning of the end is what, what we're talking about right here, the recognition that human societies are imperfect, that the idea of humans redeeming themselves and coming up with a perfect solution, whether it's Marxism, socialism, capitalism, anything in between, are all doomed to failure. That the real solution to the problems of mankind is letting God into the world. And that where there is more God consciousness, there is a hope for wholeness and, and, and people listening to each other and listening to the word of God who will give us the roadmap. The, the end is, is secure. It's not a wish. It's not that religious people can be more optimistic or hopeful. We can take it to the, we can take it to the bank. But um, it, it, it starts with the recognition that we have to humble ourselves and, and long for God's redemption. Yeah. It's, um, you go down into crazy things when you lose your humility. You know? You see it. You can see it in other people. But for some reason, I don't think America has yet really seen that's the key to our problem. We're no longer humble. We're no longer grateful for really anything. And until we restore gratitude and humility, we can't turn back to, to God. And he is the only solution. Rabbi, thank you so much. So he's always, always a pleasure being yeah. here. Thanks for having you. me. You going back to Israel today? Uh, no. No. A few more spit stops. And- <laughs> Well, and then back. my best to I you and it. your family and, Thank uh, you so much. and everybody in Israel. Thank God you. bless you. Thank you so much. Na, 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 na.